Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Casting the Net. Today's title is, Where is God in Daily Living? And Rick has a quote in this episode which pretty much sums up the entire show for today, where he says, you won't find God in the ordinary if you're not looking for him. And you're not going to look for him if you don't think it's possible that he's there. What a great quote. And I think, again, that pretty much describes today's episode. They go into some detail about where to find God during very dark times, how it's not God's fault that evil exists. And they go into some detail about seeking God in ordinary experience. So we hope you enjoy today's show and we'll see you again next week. Hi, I'm Father Dave Nuss, together with Father of Four, Rick Lingvine. Welcome to Casting the Net. We are in search for catching the faith. Yeah, we're live. <laughs> live. Don't say anything stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that is not possible. <laughs> Friends, that's, we are... <laughs> that's the advice my wife gave me before I came over here tonight. <laughs> Don't embarrass yourself. <laughs> Uh, that is uh that's good advice Words you gave to live by right good, I mean, good advice just, she gave you yeah yeah well that's, our, that's our audience the, will i suppose determine worth, worth the price of admission right there you guys, it is it we'll, is we'll see you next weekend folks friends if you were tuning in to hear uh casting the net you found the right place we're so glad you're you are listening to us however it is that you're access as access assessing us accessing us one of those. One of those. And because uh, it's just a real joy to us. So however you are connecting and however you are listening, in whatever way you are, thank you so much for spending time with us. I'm Father Dave with my co-host Rick. And and right now we are in the we are in the midst of an extraordinarily cold spell. The oh my an, an Arctic blast that is an Arctic blast. It's yeah. it's minus um with wind chill, right? Yeah. Yeah, neither one of us just want to go outside these no, days. No, <laughs> to the the tundra here. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, yeah. So it is. Um, we launched on a series last week, focusing on finding God in ordinary experience, encountering God, seeking God. Um, however, we phrase it, that God wishes to be met, encountered, seen, recognized, again, however we we phrase that, that the meaning of God is something not just in church, and for us as Catholic Christians, not just in the sacraments, though they are privileged encounters for sure that the Lord wants us to experience, but in the everyday grind, in, in routine, mm. in what can feel sometimes monotonous, other times it's it's a it's a more pleasant familiarity. Mm. Whatever that may be, there isn't a moment and isn't a place where God resides. That's right. Uh, yeah, and I mean, the, the stuff we talked about last episode and what we'll talk about um, this episode and, and probably next episode, it's it's we're, we're basically laying the groundwork, which is important, because if you – well, I mean, you won't find God in the ordinary – if you're not looking for him, yes, right? and you're not going to look for him if you don't think it's possible that he's he's there. Yeah, I love that. Right, so I love we're that. we're we're laying out sort of the theological, sort of theological heavier theological stuff, um, the theological reasons why 
we can be confident that he is there. Yeah. That he can be found. Yeah. And that he's, he, he'll, he'll find us more, more uh, properly speaking. Right. I mean, we think of it as um, a birthday and the child or your children in particular, right, are expecting a gift, uh, something on a birthday hmm. or, or a notable day. They're expecting that, right? They're looking for that. They're anticipating that. Hmm. And imagine if we took that into the day for God to present us with his presence, albeit in a surprising way, in a deeply personal way, his presence able to be accessed or encountered for our own benefit. Mm. It's a it's a different way of look. You're here somewhere, even though I mm. can't quite find you or don't recognize you. Mm-hmm. And I find it especially uplifting, especially when it's difficult mm. and hard, um, taxing, when I'm pressured. Like you're in all places, so you're even in my distress, Lord Jesus. You're you're here. I I, I just had the I just had the opportunity on uh, on Sunday to celebrate the sacrament of the sick with uh, a child who's who's going to have some very serious surgery mm-hmm. and um, how powerful it was in speaking to him and to his parents about asking Jesus to heal you everywhere you are. Mm-hmm. So when you're in the hospital, just pray, Jesus, heal me. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're um, back in your room, when you're um, alone and waiting, mm-hmm. when you're sad and you want your mom or your dad to be voicing Jesus's name and with and and I and that's that's the formula mm. Jesus heal me Jesus yeah. heal me yeah, and then yeah. sharing with mom and dad you know Jesus heal in the name of the child yeah. happens to be Logan for which I ask everyone to whisper a prayer for yeah. for Logan right now but in the ordinary experience that is distressing and and unsettling and fearful all the more all the more right my natural reaction is to try to feel more comfortable. I might pretend I'm not afraid or I might uh, over exert myself to, to try to think about something else and mm-hmm. put myself into a different frame of mind. Yeah. But yet the distress is a, in its origin is an opportunity for me to make my way to the only one who can scatter the darkness in which I find myself, mm. and that's Jesus. Yeah, well, that's it, right? I mean, we're we're, we're, we're Americans. We like to fix things. We mm. like to be proactive. Mm. Um, we we like to to rush around and look for the solution. Um, and so it is a matter of slowing down, and and allowing God's healing presence to to make its way into our lives. Yeah, you know what you said there about um, you know. God's presence in, in in that which is distressing or in distressing moments reminded me of a, a conversation I had with my, my second grader not not long ago. Ah. It was actually shortly after our last episode. Ah, we were um, we were taking the dog on a walk and uh, and Maggie just the two of you. Yeah, yeah. I, I tried it, to the three of you, three of us. Yeah, you want to count our four legged friend, but. <laughs> Maggie, God love her. She she wanted to know what we're talking about on our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> she does. Really? I think she was just being polite. I don't know. She really 
<laughs> cared all that much, but uh, and I, said, I love it. I know it, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful yeah. moment. Uh, and I said, "Well, thanks for asking, Maggie. We're, we're actually talking about God's presence in in things as, as the Creator." And I tried to explain it in terms that a second grader would understand. Yeah, and, how'd that go? Uh, I don't. No, why don't you ask ask, ask Maggie next time you see her. I'll ask Maggie what we're, see what what we're doing on that's the right. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Ask her what our series is now. Um, and doggone it, she said, well, what, what about the bad stuff? Is God wow. there too? Is God in that too? Wow. And I, I thought to myself, Maggie, you just hit on wow. a problem that's been debated for thousands of years, <laughs> the wow. problem of evil, you know. And so I thought it, it, it might be worth um, saying a word about just how the Catholic tradition deals with that question. I mean, we, we're, we're talking about um, God being present in things as as the creator of the universe. And if he removes his presence for even an instant, things cease to exist. Well, where is he in, in murders and sure. in other horrendous things that happen sure. in human existence? Sure, sure. Um, and, and traditionally, the, the, the Catholic Church asserts that um, evil is— a, a privation it's it's an absence of being it's not a it's not a positive thing and therefore it's not created mm-hmm. like god god creates all that we encounter um but evil is some missing goodness from a thing yeah so like a hole in a sock yeah right i mean yeah the the, the hole is real but it's not a thing it's the absence of wool or cotton yeah. that should be yeah. there that would make it a good sock right um, you know, we could look at a beautiful maple tree and it could be tragically sheared of all its branches. We'd be looking at this thing that if it had the branches would be beautiful and good, but it's, it's defective because it's missing yes. those, those branches. Yes. And God's not in the hole in the sock and he's not in the, the absent branches because there's, there's nothing there. Yes. Um, and so the same applies for like moral evil that, that humans commit, mm. right? In, in a murder, God is physically holding, you know, the, the victim in, in existence, and He's holding the weapon in existence. He's even holding the murderer or the the, the perpetrator in existence. What He's not holding in, in existence is the absence of love or, or the yeah. malice or the hatred that motivates. Yeah, yeah that the is that, the evil act. Yeah, that actually brings the evil act about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, for me, for some reason, I, I've never really sat down and thought about this, but mm. it's really easy to pick out. To, to use this equation for like sexual sins, mm. you know, um, the absence of an openness to having children or the absence to um, total giving of self or the, the absence of consent, right? Yeah. I mean, those, those are yeah. the yeah. a lot of the root causes of sexual sins. Yeah. And so evil's not so much um, a, a thing that God creates, it's the absence of something that should be there that yeah. would make it good. Yeah. Um, and so that that removes God from culpability for evil, yeah, and puts it at our free actions. Rick, I I don't know if there is a more active objection to Christian truth than the yeah. problem of evil. It's a hard one. It's, I, it's, I mean, it's many have left the church, yeah. whether they they themselves were victims to yeah. something heinous and evil. Yeah. Or whether we look at kind of the bigger questions, the bad things that happen to good people, yeah, uh, the wars that just incessantly are fought, yeah. and the um, the extermination of uh, innocent life in all forms and all stages, et cetera, et cetera, yeah, proliferation of illness and mm-hmm. and, and disease, the the, um, the 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 plagues that just um, 
are yeah. so predominant in certain areas of the world where resources are inadequate through mm-hmm. no fault of their own. In fact, mm-hmm. they themselves are often exploited in such areas. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the the problem, I mean, it's 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 more of a psychological problem than it is a logical problem. Say, I, say more about I that. Just, as I said, we, we just laid out pretty clearly how the the Christian tradition, especially the Catholic tradition, can explain, you know, why why it's not God's fault that evil exists. Um, so, like logically, you know, cognitively, mentally, intellectually, um, that's that should be a satisfying answer. But deep mm. down in your gut, it, it's still hard to mm. reckon with an Auschwitz. Oh. You know, or killing field in Cambodia. Yes. You know, and so you that wouldn't be the best move. Like if you were talking to somebody who who suffered great evil. Yes. To say, well, you know, I mean, God's not really present in the sure. evil. Like, it's it's useful for apologetics and for talking to somebody who, you know, intellectually has a problem with uh, Christianity because of the problem of evil. But when you're when you're um, with someone who's suffering, that's not the time to. To trot out the uh, right, you know the the theological philosophical explanation for right. why God's not culpable for evil. But um, no, Aquinas says there are two powerful objections to the existence of God. One is it seems like things kind of run okay without having to say that there's a God, uh, and the other is the problem of evil. Mm-hmm. You know, so it is it is a powerful um, a powerful charge against against what the Christian says the world is. Yeah. You're reminding me how important it is to articulate the Christian position in this regard, that um, we ought not to forget that there are, that all of us, to some degree, struggle with bad things that happen. Yeah. Yeah, Evil that takes place, albeit in different intensities and to different degrees. Mm -hmm. So we all have to be able to navigate that reality. We do. We do, and um, you know, uh, pretty much everyone's familiar with the Lord of the Rings. Pretty much everyone's mm. familiar with the Hobbit. Mm. I don't think as many people are as familiar with um, the the book by Tolkien called The Silmarillion, mm. which is sort of like um, Tolkien's his creation story from Middle Earth, the mm. universe that he creates in the Hobbit and the, the Lord of the Rings. <clears throat> um, it's it's like the backstory for for everything that unfolds yes. in, in those better known novels. But uh, in it, he um, he has the god of that universe, which looks a lot like our god. Um, that you know, the god of Middle Earth sings the universe into existence, mm. and he uh, he then takes the uh, the discordant uh, notes that are introduced by the devil of that world, and like a uh, like a master. Um, composer incorporates those notes into this breathtaking, beautiful piece of music, mm. right? So that he has sovereignty even over uh, the evil that's introduced by mm. um, by wicked creatures. Yes, you know, um, sounds a lot like the story that Christianity proposes. You know, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. So, and and God can do that because He's the Creator. He is He's more intimate than the thing. In more intimate to the things he creates than than we are to ourselves. Yeah. Like he's he's not he's not uh, just a brute force out there taking over. He's weaving a story together, hmm. and we don't have the whole picture. Yeah, you know, we we can't see the whole picture, but we can be confident um, that that he does have have the reins. Yes, yeah. That story that God weaves is a love story, and it's love alone 
that is the story. Mm-hmm. His very self made available to us as unworthy as we are <laughs> in every right. facet. Uh, God relentlessly wishes for us to meet him. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe we circle around in that way to ordinary experience being charged with possibilities for encountering the living God. Yeah, yeah. A God who suffers evil as a human being, mm-hmm. right? I mean, who who takes it and actually transforms it into the possibility of encounter. Yes. Right? Yeah. Possibility we, for encounter. We don't. We, we see in the passion of Christ, of course— the power of love that eventually is um, emergent mm. and superior and wins the victory. That's right. Mm. Um, it's not. It's not my image, but uh, I, I love it nonetheless. The um, the the view of Christ as sort of a, a martial artist, like using the force of the opponent. Oh yeah, um, and turning it into uh, you know an act of defeat inflicted upon that opponent yeah what do they what do they call that martial art is that jujitsu jujitsu i think it is yeah yeah i should know yeah. maggie my second grader's in in karate. oh she's in she's in karate oh. <laughs> uh but yeah I, I i do i do like that image and it's it's because he can do that because he's the creator he's he's sovereign right right, right. I mean, there's right. nothing that escapes his providence um not even our free human actions that defect from his will yeah. So we have opportunity, friends, to uh, to renew our resolve, to seek the living God in ordinary experience, to expect God to to be discovered. And you know how do we how do we do that? Well, I don't know. For me, Rick, it it just begins by expressing the desire yeah. for God. Yeah. Letting calling it, ex- out to Him. And it, I mean, expect. For it to happen, and it, yeah, whenever we call out to God, whenever we pray, mm-hmm. it it it's not an assignment to complete. It's if I call out to um, uh, a beloved friend, or if I call out to uh, parents, I expect the response. That's right. That's that precipitates the calling out, and so it is with prayer. I don't know how there are times when the res- with the, when that resolve is lacking. In my own mm-hmm. prayer, so I, yeah. you know, I acknowledge that, and yet there's never a moment that God does not want to hear from His sons and daughters. Yeah, my expectations are kind of low too sometimes, and I think that's <laughs> it's it's easy to get jaded from or because of um, the lack of response from humans we interact with. Yeah, you know, and so we right. project that onto right. We project that onto God, right? But God's perfect. I mean, God God can't fail. Yeah. You know, it's 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 against His nature. Yes. <laughs> you know, and so we we should expect that. I, you you uh, I don't know if we talked about this on the air, but you 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 assigned some homework for both of us. We were supposed to find God in the ordinary uh, during the week between um, last episode and this episode. How'd that work out? Y- you know, surprisingly, surprisingly well. <laughs> uh, I, I I recall distinctly. Um, I think it's because I was looking for it. I was expecting ah. it. You know? uh, making dinner, which is one of my favorite tasks to do as a as a dad, as a parent, ah. um, just because I appreciate the significance, what it symbolizes, just under ordinary natural circumstances. Sure. Um, but then looking at it through the lens of faith, it just raises it to a different key, a different octave. Ah. And there was one evening, I don't recall what it, what evening it was, but I was I was making dinner, and um, 
you're familiar with Andre Rublev's yes great icon yes hospitality of Abraham yes yes um, the three you know divine beings angels mm-hmm. uh, gathered around a table um, and and it's it's supposed to be symbolic of the Trinity that 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 inner communion of love that exists within the very life of God um, that that came to mind as I was making dinner because I mean. First of all, in the, in the icon, they're they're gathered around table. Yeah. You know the the symbolism that 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 dining together. Yes, what that carries. Yes, um, and then just you know the theological point that that God in Himself is a is a, a loving family, right? Mm. Sharing love, sharing communion. Yeah. Uh, so it hit me. You know, it, it hit me in a really wow. powerful way, um, and I expected it. It, it didn't. It didn't. I, I think the intensity of it surprised me, but the fact that Something something like that hit me at all was not surprising. Does that make sense? <laughs> totally does. Yeah. Totally does. Friends, he's Rick. I'm Father Dave. And we are so grateful that you have spent this time with us and are, are hopeful that you're going to continue to accompany us as we keep casting the net. Friends, he's Rick. And I'm Father Dave, a dad and a priest together trying to become better fathers by catching Christian faith. Thanks for joining us for our conversation, and we hope that you'll connect with us next week for Casting the Net.